0: What's
1: your quarterback situation this season, Coach? Oh, we're going to have one. We're going to have four. And uh, I like
2: I like our group. Yes, folks, that actually was a question asked to Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ earlier on Friday here inside the Hilton Chicago at Big Ten Media Days, day two. I am J. Kokorowski. This is the BadgerBliss.com podcast for all your Wisconsin Badgers news on the recruiting trail on the field near the rim and we are here it's hot outside but guess what it's pretty cool in here it's nice it's comfortable and we have a lot to get to today and of course we got john mcnamara here we're live this is our first live podcast john by the way
0: yeah awfully exciting awfully oh
2: Oh, yeah no not not live not live no uh no no, no, but (laughs) live together is probably the best way to put it oh
3: i see what you mean all right
2: and if you hear that, that is Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal joining us. Jason, how are you doing on this Friday afternoon as we await Wisconsin's players? Uh, and, again, Paul, Chris, for the third time that we'll be able to speak with them uh, coming up later this afternoon.
3: Well, uh, you mentioned it's about 95 outside. It's, it's extremely cold in this interview room here, so I'm kind of uh, freezing my butt off during our four-hour gap between the, the morning presser and the— uh, in Wisconsin talking so I I wish there wasn't the, such a big gap but uh, you know we just kind of kind of wait and try to get some stuff done right now like this podcast
2: exactly you see a lot of people starting to podcast I know you did your podcast a little bit ago too. I guess the first question uh, as a reporter for this you know you've been down at these Big Ten media days before John has been down here before too what do you look for what do you look to cover during uh, in these two days
3: Oh, a couple things. I think 1st year, This is the first time you get to talk to Paul Christ and really uh, anybody from from the Wisconsin side of things for for quite a while, really. Unless you get like a, a particular one-on-one for a story you're doing in the summer. Uh, really, this is the first time since spring practice that we've talked to these guys. So you, you want to kind of kind of get the information you've been waiting on, uh, sort of like you know, like like Paul Christ told us yesterday, the, some of the injuries. Like is everybody good to go for fall camp? Uh, what are they dealing with in in that aspect Um, you know you obviously want to try to you know ask them about some of the position battle kind of stuff you know usually you don't get much of that obviously we we asked them about the quarterbacks yesterday and you know didn't get a didn't get an answer obviously but you know you try to look at some of that stuff and honestly one of the biggest things uh, for for being here for these two days is is getting a lot of uh, stuff for for future stories Uh, a lot of featurey type things you can get they're available for such a long time I and mean, the, the players are going to be sitting there for an hour um, and then you can go you can ask them a lot of different things and so you can get a lot of stuff for future stories and kind of set, set yourself up nicely for, for when camp starts and sometimes the availability isn't isn't quite as much uh, you know throughout camp you kind of don't know exactly what you're going to get yet so you can you can bank some stuff and as a reporter that's kind of what I'm what I'm looking for is to try to get some get some stuff for the future as well.
0: Yeah, I think the stuff that you guys got yesterday from Paul Christ is is really the the, the better stuff that you're gonna get from um, these two days here. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff that the coaches do in front of the podium are just kind of fluff. Um, I, I thought Jim Harbaugh was pretty entertaining today with yeah. with the stuff yeah. that he had to say, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're gonna get is maybe in that uh, smaller setting with Paul Christ. and um, you know, I, I would say the stuff that that he said yesterday wasn't. Um, I mean it's valuable stuff but I don't you know we were talking about that Jake there wasn't as many things that that he revealed that were a surprise or there wasn't like you know a, a lot of attrition that he talked about or injuries or something that we didn't know I guess going into to yesterday so I think it was from a Wisconsin perspective it was kind of a quiet first day and I would expect much of the same uh, today when the players are available.
3: That's the thing about an event like this is, um, you know, the way it's set up in a, in a huge press conference room, a lot of coaches are just going to give you pretty boring answers um, and a lot of coach speak when they're in this setting and there's a lot of cameras in front of them and it is nice to get Chris in a setting where we didn't have any cameras with him yesterday, it was just local media and he did open up a little more. Now, we like you said, we didn't get a whole lot of, you know, important answers on, on things, but I thought that um, he was a little more, you know, you know, a little more open than he normally is a little more relaxed so we at least got some uh, some a little, a little bit more interesting quotes than, than maybe we would have in in you know the rest of the, the things going on today with uh, with Wisconsin
2: now going in back to that conversation too and yeah you know it was for those that don't know kind of behind the curtain very kind of low-key we were in a separate room with Paul he was, wasn't dressed up uh, no cameras or iPhone videos just really candid conversation Forty-eight minutes. We were in there for fifty minutes, Jason, which I thought was interesting. Uh, a lot of transcribing that I still have to finish up uh, to put on BadgerBlitz.com articles too. But you know, what out of that forty-eight minutes, what was the discussion point or question or an answer from Paul that really stood out to you? during that time we had with them yesterday.
3: There were quite a few that were at least notable, uh, but but I think one thing that, that really kind of caught my attention was when he talked about the wide receivers, actually. Um, he seemed pretty candid in, in saying that they just, you know, weren't good enough last year, and he said that they have to, take pressure off Jonathan Taylor in the running game. And, you know, it, that why that's interesting to me is because we, we I think we get caught up in talking about how bad the quarterback play was last year and how much that needs to improve, and, and I think those are still accurate. I mean, the quarterback play wasn't good enough, and, and they need more from that position. But I don't think, you know, the rest of the offense is not is still at fault too. I mean, the wide receiving group, which has a lot of talent, and, you know, all those a lot of those guys have flashed, you know, at certain times during their career – but they weren't good enough either, um, and, and they need to step up as well. And so I thought Chris uh, was was pretty pretty honest in, in that assessment, and and just just flat out saying we don't have a lot of depth at tight end right now, which I think we kind of all know. But um, you know he was pretty honest about that too, that they just you know obviously got a, a star there in Jake Ferguson, but beyond that, especially with how often they play two and three tight end sets, um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can develop some more depth at that position, position as well.
0: And, Jason, I know that something that came up from yesterday was uh, Paul Chris' comment on, on Jack Cohn. Um, and he said, I don't know that he's changed a ton and he's not going to, but I think all those around him have. Um, could you just maybe provide a little bit more context from that quote? I know that you talked a little bit about it on Twitter, but I think it speaks, I think there's more to it that, that you could maybe speak to about that.
3: Yeah, so. Um I tweeted, I tweeted that quote out yesterday and I didn't give enough context. Um, and, and people were saying, you know, people were replying like, Oh, I guess that meets mean meet Mertz is starting. And I was like, wait. So basically when he said that, <laughs> basically when he said that Cohen hasn't changed, he's not going to change. That was off a question that he received on, uh, about Cohen's mindset coming in, knowing that he could actually be the starter this year. Whereas last year, he didn't really have that opportunity unless Hornibrook got injured. Um, so he's saying his mindset hasn't changed and it's not going to change because he's always prepared like he's the starter and he he feels like his confidence is at an all-time high because I think he he did put some inflection on the um, on the part he said where uh, the teammates um, I can't remember the wording right now I don't know if you have it up but uh, you know the um, <clears throat> basically his teammates being uh, it spoke volumes uh, to his teammates uh, the way he ended last season. Um, he, he, he did put some inflection in that. You know, he said it spoke volumes. And that kind of stood out to me a little bit, thinking that, you know, maybe you know, they really liked what he did in the last couple of games. And the more I hear Paul Chris talk about Jack Hone, it makes me think that um, it's going to be pretty difficult for Graham Mertz and everybody else to to kind of – Displace him at the top of the jet chart during fall camp.
0: Yeah, and he said, I think what he did and how he finished the year spoke volumes to the guys. I think you have to absolutely believe that he does feel more confident. Outwardly, he doesn't appear different, but inward, let's face it, he knows what games are like. He's been in them. He knows the ups and the downs of it. Uh, he's a little bit different, probably, and I I think that kind of speaks to you know what we've talked about really into the spring and in the summers that. You know he's going to enter fall camp as the starting quarterback, and not necessarily head and shoulders above. But I think Paul Crist has more confidence in in Jack Cohn than maybe Wisconsin fans do, and I I think some of those conf or some of those quotes kind of back that up.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I someone else on Twitter, um, uh, I, or I think it was today said if if he just replied to one of my tweets said if Cohn starts ag- starts I'm not watching any games. <laughs> it's uh, like it's a like the, these are probably these are probably the same people that uh, were just you know. Calling wildly for Cohen to, to replace Hornibrook uh, when the last couple of years, so it's just the way it is. You know, the the backup quarterbacks always more popular. I understand the hype around Graham Mertz. I mean, the guy is super talented, and we, we saw we could see the arm talent in spring practice. I think, but with Mertz, like he's going to have to prove to Paul Chris and the rest of the coaching staff that he's mentally ready to start first. I mean, before he even um, outperforms Cohen from a, from a physical standpoint. I mean, he was still, um, I mean, Jack Cohn was helping him with the play calls in the spring practice. He didn't know all the signals yet. And so I think, you know, we're, you know, entering fall camp, they're going to be four weeks basically, four or five weeks from the start of the season. And if, if, if Merce is going to challenge for the job, he's got to first, you know, show that that's not going to be an issue for him and there aren't going to be mental mistakes like that. Or, you know, if it, it, he's first got to, got to show the coaching staff that that, that is, uh, he's learned all that stuff and that's behind him.
2: I think that's what's really interesting too is, you mentioned about Mertz, and I mean, there's been a lot of talk, not just on Friday, where you had a, you know, the question from a, a reporter about his personality, but you also had from, you know, even talking on, you know, yesterday with that big discussion, a couple of questions around Graham. And Jason, are you surprised by what Paul said on Thursday regarding how UW will roll out fall camp reps at quarterback, you know, with the, the dividing of the four phases during August camp?
3: I'm definitely not surprised he didn't uh, narrow it down at all. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that uh, yesterday or today. But um, you know, I I, I kind of thought that we would go into fall camp and know from the first couple of practices, um, you know, how it was going to start shaping out. I thought they would kind of, you know, get right to it. Like, okay, we know that this this quarterback or these two quarterbacks are not going to compete, so we're just going to we're going to move on. But it seems like, you know, Paul said was pretty specific saying you know, for the first five practices are installation, and they're not going to really manage reps um, uh, th- that that with the quarterbacks that much during that time. It's just going to be, be learning everything. So maybe we won't know until that second week of fall camp really how it's going to start shaking out. So it's you know, maybe we'll have to wait a little bit longer than we thought to, to start to see this competition form. But um, look, I mean, we're eventually going to figure this thing out. And eventually they're, they're going to name a starter. Eventually they're going to play the first game and someone's going to go out there and start the game. Um, but, you know, we're still still a few weeks away here from from figuring that out.
0: And, Jason, did you take away anything from his comments on the other side of the ball uh, with the defense? I mean, just in looking at that defense, there's this is one of the years where I don't think there's a big playmaker that you can point to on that side of the ball that says, you know, this guy could potentially be a difference maker for you.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't think – nothing Paul said really out too much defensively, but I think you're right about that, that, um, you know, who, you know who is that guy this year that is going to be your – when you need to play, they're going to make the play. Um, you know, you've, you've had T.J. Edwards in the middle there and Ryan Connolly the last couple years. They're gone. Um, you know, you can't – you know, obviously they, they really needed Dakota Dixon's leadership last year in the secondary. But, I mean, I guess some, maybe Zach Bond is that guy if he can stay healthy. Uh, you know, he was – probably it seems after talking to some coaches this off season that he was dealing with some more injury issues last year than than we kind of thought um you know we we, we kind of thought he was pretty much healthy the whole year but it seems like he was dealing with some stuff at a, you know as well as Van Ginkle on the other side so I think if he can you know it's obviously a huge if saying if, if Zach Bond's going to stay healthy because he has had a lot of issues but um I think maybe he maybe he can have that breakout senior year that that he was hoping for last year and uh and maybe he can be the guy. You know, I you know I think I think Chris Wurst played a lot of games. Maybe Jack Sanborn takes a a huge leap that we're not not expecting uh this year. Um so look, I it, you know they have a lot of young talent in the secondary as well. Um so there's a lot of candidates there that 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 could take a jump as well. You just have to kind of wait and see. I mean, I think I think you still have to hope that you don't get injuries on the defensive line. Um even though with Rand coming back, we kind of, you know, think that 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 group is going to be in a lot better shape this year and i think they probably will be but a couple injuries again and you could be looking at you know another situation like last year where you're you're really thin there so um you know i think the defense i'd have to imagine the defense is going to be better this year but uh you know this like you know like you said that you lost a lot you lost a lot of good players on that side of the ball still and and there's still some some question marks that kind of need to be ironed out
2: wrapping up on this segment here in chicago lovely chicago unfortunately we can't I don't know. Have you had a chance to go out for a little bit to explore?
3: I mean, uh, you know, a, a colleague Otsi and I, you know, went went out for a steak uh, on 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 the company's bill. You know, the last night. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, besides that, you know, we besides going out to dinner, you know, haven't really haven't really explored too much. You know, it's been a little hot. Yeah, it has been. And
2: I mean, thoughts on the Big Ten West. We know that that preseason poll came out from Cleveland.com. Thirty-four media members, basically the combined votes. Nebraska is, was the favorite. Who is your favorite in your opinion for the big 10 West and why?
3: I am going with Nebraska and I just, it's, it's, it's been hard because I, you know, they were four and eight last year. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's really hard to pick them, but, uh, but I'm doing it. You know, they, there's a lot of reasons to like them. I think that they ended the season, really strong winning four of their last six games. Um, I think whenever that happens, I think it's natural to get a little more excited about a coach in their second year when they, when you started to see a lot of progress toward the end of the year. They have a really good young quarterback in Adrian Martinez, um, and they have a lot of talent offensively. Now, obviously, they need to they need to iron out the issues defensively, and I think the schedule comes into play here a lot too. Uh, for Wisconsin, they've got some really difficult crossover games. Um, you know, they're playing the three teams that were in that Cleveland compel that were ranked 1, 2, and 3 in the East, uh, and Michigan, Mich- Michigan State and Ohio State. And uh, Nebraska just doesn't have uh, those difficult crossover games, and they get – a couple of big West games at home, including Wisconsin, uh, so I think that plays a big factor too. Uh, I, I think it's this is really wide open. I could see, I could honestly see five different teams winning, uh, winning the West, and it wouldn't be that shocking. Um, I think, I, th- I think, I think it just goes to show you that the team who won the division by three games last year was picked to finish fourth. <laughs> it shows you just kind of how wide open it is. Uh, but I'm going with Nebraska, and I'm picking Wisconsin second. I, you know, I, I could also see Iowa, Northwestern, or Purdue. All really battling for that. I, you know, I, I, know Minnesota got one first place vote. I just don't, I just don't see them being able to to really compete for the West uh, this year, even though they made some progress last year. But uh, yeah, I'm going to Nebraska, and uh, you know, maybe maybe I'll regret it, but uh, that's where I'm going right now.
2: Jason, man, it's always great having you on. Looking forward to seeing you coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, enjoy the rest of the time in Chicago, and I'm sure I'll see you. We'll see you. Well, one for lunch, but two also for the podium talks uh, coming up in a couple hours.
3: Yep, thanks for having me on, Jake.
2: Guys, it's Jason Galloway. On that note, since we are recording in the morning, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. You guys will hear some of the audio from linebacker Chris Orr talking about the linebackers, the defense overall, his leadership. We'll have all that coming up right after the break here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.
4: young guys after you what do you see like who are the guys that have stood out to you that you think can contribute this year um
5: pretty much all of them except for like the ones that just got here so no i haven't really seen them outside of like workouts but i can see mikey i can see uh, jack i can see leo even like jacob jacob hayroth like many people don't know about him i can see all of them um, contributing you know off the bat you know they, had, they all had pretty good springs. You know, they're all athletic and strong enough to make it happen. They all know the defense, so I'm kind of really excited for fall camp. See how much they push me and how much I can push them. For sure.
4: Do you have questions about the like front seven, like defensive line? There's a lot of new pieces or not depth at spots. Are you wondering what it's going to look like at all?
5: Um, no, not really, because I've seen it. You know, in practice. You know, from the, all the different springs, all the different camps, I've seen these guys play. I'm more so, I guess, eager to see their growth because it's one thing going from last year, or even going from spring into the season, into fall camp. So, I'm I'm more so eager to see their growth instead of like questioning them. No question. What was it
3: like last year, heading into the year when everybody was talking about you guys and you were just the center of some of the national conversation? You know, it was kind of a toss-up between people big in Ohio State and you guys to win the conference. What was just like? Even taking away this, the result of like what was it like to just sort of be
5: in that world? A little bit? Right. I mean, it was definitely exciting. Something different for me and us, I guess, as a program, if you really think about it. I know going into 2016, people were thinking it was going to go 6-6, six and, six, and then we went 13-1 and one in 2017. So, I mean, it, it, it was definitely a different energy, you know, from the guys outside of the program or, you know, the attention that we were receiving outside of the program. It was definitely different and exciting. I, I can't admit to that. It was definitely fun to be in. So you guys
3: are more used to and maybe more comfortable with, with how it is now. Like people aren't really, being sort of in the underdog role, people not thinking to to win the West. Oh yeah, for sure. We're
5: definitely more used to that. Uh, I want to say we like, like it more, but we're definitely more used to it. Used to getting like pretty much disrespected, to be honest, uh, a, a top program, a traditional program. You know, we definitely get probably some of the most disrespect in the nation, to be honest. But it's something that we're used to and, you know, we kind of like it. We, f- we feed off of it for sure. Uh, don't necessarily let it affect us in a negative way, but we definitely do feed off it still. Are
3: you so disrespected this
5: offseason at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I have full confidence in, you know what I'm saying, myself and my teammates and our program. So every year I'm going to feel disrespected. You know, even when I'm going, I'm gonna feel like they disrespected them boys if they don't have them going number one. So I mean, and that's how everybody should feel, to be honest. You know, if anybody's not saying that, you know, they they tripped.
3: I think some guys got caught up in that hype last year. I think Agent Taylor told us in the spring, like it feels like, even though you guys said it didn't affect you last year, like maybe some of the guys had kind of got in their head. Do you feel like you kind of sense that a little
5: bit? Um, yeah, you could probably sense that a little bit. I would say that's probably a, a fair. Fair statement to, to say, because um, we had a lot of younger guys, you know, coming in, especially when people went down to injury. So it's it's easy to get caught up in that when you're young. You know, I was even reading my own press clippings when you're young, when you're a freshman and you're playing. You know, everybody wants to write an article about you. Everybody wants to interview you. Everything's so new every week. Um, you're always trying to see what people are saying about the team. You know, what it's going to be the hype. How, mu- how much you're going to be on TV this week. So I think it's it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. and I think that's a fair statement to say, but no, it was just part of you know different guys' growth as individuals, and for sure our growth as a team.
4: You ever look at the schedule and like um, it's probably easier for fans to be like, okay, they got to play Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan State. I'm sure you embrace that challenge, but you ever look and go, man, this year is really tough. We got all these road games.
5: We got the hardest teams in the East. Do you think that way at all? No, it's exciting because I didn't play them in 2016. So it it, it makes me happy. When I saw that schedule, I was happy. I was ready to come back. I was ready for workouts. I was ready for fall camp. So it's, it's exciting for me because those are like some of the teams that you know get the more media attention, get all the ESPN attention. They get all the big time games. You know, you grow up and you see those games more so than ours. So it was always exciting for me to play them. I was ready to play them in 2016, and I'm ready now. I guess in 2019, a few years later.
3: So. Uh, P.J. Flood yesterday said that his team winning
0: the Axe um,
5: was healthy for the rivalry. Uh, do you feel like it makes it more interesting that, uh, that they won one? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. They want that to happen. Right, right, right. I mean, it's always interesting to us. You know, I'm sure they can't stand us, and we can't stand them. So I mean, it's not. It hasn't changed our energy towards the rivalry. Maybe fueled it a little more, but. It was already to its max limit so I don't know how much more fuel in the robbery can get uh, this is the oldest college football robbery you know that alone is, is legendary you know even though we had it for so many years in a row I want to say we like just tied it a couple of years ago I want to say 2016 we tied the overall record so I mean it's not like we've just been dominating this robbery for all of its entirety but um you know I I, I don't know if I agree with that statement but as, as a player, it's, it's definitely always been – it's had the same energy. You
3: don't think it'll be a little more intense on your guys than when you play them again and mm-hmm. you're not the one with the ax though? Right. Uh, it'll, it'll
5: definitely probably be more intense. You know, I'm not going to sit here and fake and say no. But, um, you know, we're also not really too worried about that right now, to be honest. We haven't even yeah. truly much dug into, like, South Florida. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be a challenging game to go down there and the, all that humidity in August. You know, I know how hot Texas can get. You know, it's going to be humid in Florida. Uh, so it's definitely going to, that's going to be a fun game to be honest, so we haven't really looked at Minnesota. You
1: guys told us this spring that there's now a photo where the ax used to be mm-hmm. and, and talk about how that motivates you guys. What are the younger guys who have never experienced, really that, or haven't experienced Robert as much as you guys have, think about that and, you know, what are kind of their conversations about it? not um, having that there right
5: i mean they kind of had the the same fuel because when they were getting recruited they saw the axe in there you know the axe was posted up up in there and they was able to touch it and feel it and all that whereas on the other hand like i guess like minnesota didn't, they couldn't have recruits touch it. but you know now instead you see a picture of them celebrating you know on our home field with the axe so it's it's, it's definitely it's definitely some fuel rather you've been a part of the robbery you know yourself playing yet or not, you're definitely going to get fueled by that, for sure. Talking about,
2: Paul mentioned yesterday about, you mentioned with your leadership qualities that you've kind of expanded your circle of influence with the team. Have you noticed that, and has it been on purpose? Have you been purposely doing that? Um,
5: not really. I think it was kind of just natural as far as you know, my purpose, but I've, I've definitely noticed it for sure because there's guys that you know probably would have never come up to me or even talked to me before. You know, coming up and talking to me and asking me questions about their personal growth uh, rather than just dealing with injuries or whatever the case is so you know it's, it's really exciting for me to know that not only the defense will be looking at me but also guys on special teams and, and offense you know to be able to feed the whole team some energy is is, is an honor to have to be honest
3: Chris
6: what's
5: your favorite Jonathan Taylor run in the last two years my
3: favorite JT
1: run yeah. hey, that's a good
6: question
4: I, know I have a watching. few. I have a few. My favorite, one, might have been...
6: My uh, favorite
5: actually might be against against me in practice. Uh, I came through clean on a blitz, and he's, like, barely getting the hand off. And as soon as he grabs it, He just spins real quick and he's out. He gets like, gains like eight yards off of it, but it should have been a TFL. Like we weren't tackling him, but you know, you try to put yourself in a position to make the tackle. And I kind of just ran through there and he grabbed the ball. And as soon as he touched it, spent and gained about 10 yards. So I would say that was probably my favorite run, but I don't know, I guess in a game, any of the long ones he's had, like the Nebraska one from 17 and last year, Penn State last year. All of his runs in Miami, when he tried to jump over the dude, that was probably one of my favorites because, like, the dude was standing up. Like, he, he wasn't tackling <laughs> yeah, him low. Like, he jumped high. He had to jump high. It's
3: different game. when a DB is yeah. diving in legs.
5: And stuff. Yeah, like, he, nobody dove at him. Like, that dude was standing up, and he cleared him. He essentially cleared him. And that's crazy.
3: I, I remember a, a running had against BYU. It was just like a nine yard run, mm-hmm. and it made it reminded me of it because you said right when he got there, like someone was coming through on a blitz. He yeah. got the handoff, and like it just looked like it was gonna be a five yard blitz, yeah. like no exactly. way. And then he somehow got up. Right. I mean, and like no one really made much of it because it's nine yard run. Right. So, like, exactly. There's like a ton of runs like that. Yeah. Where, like, plenty of runs
5: like that. Plenty runs it's plenty of runs. not that... on a highlight reel, but it's like oh yeah, yeah. It's not on a highlight reel. It's, it's runs where he'll right. get hit twice in the backfield in game five yards. That's like unheard of. That People don't really know if you just kind of watch the game, you're like, oh, he just gained five yards, but that's really, that's really great tendencies to have for you to make people miss in the backfield and still get positive yards. Rather than getting back to the line of scrimmage, that's actually a great play. So, I mean, for him to gain yards after getting hit, period, rather than being in the backfield or, or not, you know, that's, that's great. Folks,
2: that was Chris Orr talking at Big Ten Media Days here in Chicago. Just as a quick disclaimer as well, we edited the conversations with Chris just due to time and quality, too. You could hear some of the background noise from other players and coaches, most notably Iowa's Kirk Ferentz. However, let's get to Tyler Biotish, Wisconsin's center. He talks to us about what he saw during spring ball and in more of a coach role along with what do you think about the quarterbacks among other topics? So, here he is right now and then right after that, we'll roll right into some audio we have from the conversation we had with Jonathan Taylor during Friday afternoon as well. So, without further ado, here's Tyler Biotish and then Jonathan Taylor here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. Tyler, how much uh, power do you
3: think a rival
6: You know, obviously,
4: when you have a trophy to play for, it, it means a little bit more. It does. It truly does. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, but but even like when we're playing Michigan, we don't have a trophy game. It's it's the same amount of like respect. And uh, you know, you take it to a whole nother level. And even uh, even like BYU, you're gonna take it to them, even though they're not in your conference. I I, I truly. I believe, obviously, when you have a trophy to get back or or to keep, yeah, it's going to bring it to a different level. But even though you don't have one, I think like the Michigan State they're going to play this year, Michigan, like all those games, like they're going to mean a lot too. It's not that they're not. And um, obviously, when you get a little bit more of a trophy, like you have something from the game, but.
3: What's it been like? Um, you know, Minnesota obviously won last season. Yeah, and it's something that they're using as a turning point.
5: How do you guys react to that? You know, I mean,
4: yeah, 14 years, it's a long history. We're upset about it, but we're not damaged to the point where we're not hungry enough for it back. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, like Minnesota, say like it's a turning point, but I think, you know, we can we can bring motivation from it. I think, uh, you know, we're all hungry for it back. Um, if you ask anybody on our team, we're all hungry for it back. And, you know, it goes, we have a trophy case for it in the locker room and we have, you know, t-shirts up there. So it motivates us every day because we have to walk past it every single day. You know, it gets you uh, in the right mindset of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to prove. Um, so I think, you know, whatever they do is their business. I'm not part of it. So.
1: I believe you said that part of the reason for coming back was sort of getting the taste out of your mouth from last season, or at least the team's perspective, not up to maybe the standards of Wisconsin. Was there a health consideration as well? Were there other factors that went into your decision at all? Or is it just mainly you know, like, hey, I'm trying to win again?
4: Yeah, I mean, I just I wasn't done here. Um, obviously, I had some stuff I had to get done with my body. and um, But I, in in ultra perspective, I think uh, – you know, I just wasn't done here. I wanted to win a championship. I wanted to win two. I won a Big Ten and a national championship. So I think, you know, just the motive of that itself is huge. That I I wanted to come back. I wanted to play Wisconsin football again. And you know, I have a lot of brothers on this team that wouldn't trade for the world. And. Um, you know, playing with them is truly something special, and it's a blessing. And you know, I'm ex- I'm excited to do it again.
1: How much different is it going to be this year? Because obviously, a lot of those guys are now yeah. playing in the league. I mean, obviously, you've seen some of the younger yeah. guys come along. But what what to you is going to be the biggest difference for for that unit?
4: Um, I think. Every year, it's gonna be different. Sure. Whether it was in 15, 16, 17, 18, I think every year is gonna be different. You might have a lot of guys coming back, but at some point, it, it's always different. And I think that's the beauty of it. You learn from each other. You build that chemistry. Um, right now, we're not at the peak of our chemistry. I think you know we have all fall camp to do that. So I couldn't really tell you like how different it is because we haven't put the pads on yet. Obviously, we had a little taste of the spring, but I wasn't a part of it as much. But I was a part of the coaching part of it for our O line and our offense in general. And I could tell you that you know we built a good amount of chemistry. Um, I still have to put the pads on to see and feel that, but I think, you know, our group itself, we are a very motivated group and we're very, uh, the willingness to learn and that that, uh, unselfishness to just Give to each other and to come in on the extra hours and watch film and to come do field work and to you know work our tail off to be the best we possibly can be and better our best so when you know Saturdays come along we can play our best and have no regret on the field we can put it all out there.
1: Do you feel like you're a natural teacher? Sorry about that. Just do you feel like that helps you become more of a natural leader, teacher? Just yeah. Sort
4: of a- no, yeah. I mean, going into college, like I actually wanted to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't know what my future holds yet um, after football, but I mean, like I always like teaching people, and um, you know, the sport I love to do and to play. I think uh, it actually uh, helps me teach it. You know, obviously you need to know what you're talking sure. about, um, but this spring, I you know I I taught a lot of our guys what to, you know because I from experience and from the lack of experience that we had coming back. I think um, you know I, I spoke a lot of volumes to them, and you watch them grow and actually to use that um, for us, and you know it's been a really um, a fun time because they're willing to learn, like I said before, and all the guys like respect you and what you've done here so far, and it's um, it's awesome to be a part of. But you know, it's a humbleness to just you know do the right thing all the time, and you know that's that's who I am. So.
2: Doesn't say when it comes to a guy like David Mormon, who I know moved around on during the spring, but also he's been listed at guard as well, uh, you know, in the past game notes and depth charts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What did you see out of him in the spring? I know Joe Rudolph liked what yep. he saw, but uh, what, has he done, what does he need to do to break through to get to that starting, you know, offensive line spot in your opinion? You
4: know, I think he just has to keep keep on getting better, man. I mean, I couldn't tell you specifically, um, you know, what he needs to get better at because I don't know specifically what Rudy, Coach Rudolph, knows um, that I don't know, but um, I'm sure he's told David. I'm sure he's working on it each day. Um, I know he loves the way he lifts and the way he grinds and the way he uh, works at it. Um, he truly cares about the team, and he's a really team player, and um, you know, I'm rooting for him. Um, I'm rooting for all of our guys, to be honest with you. I mean, the much depth we can have is the best you can have. You know, So, I mean, specifically talking about David Mormon, he's a really great guy. He's a great uh, teammate, and he's willing to do whatever his job is, whether he's starting five or he's sixth man, seventh man, whatever it is, on PAT he'll do it, and that's the... Um, you know that's what you can get out of him each and every week.
2: With with Caden too I mean I know he transitioned back from the defensive line Mm -hmm. how much rust did you see knocked off of him and how did you see him progress through the spring you know when you were out you know what did you see out of him then?
4: Um, You know obviously you're gonna you're gonna see some mistakes along the road Um, but I think um, you know through the spring to the summer you saw a big jump Um, I think you know he really studied his playbook um, on his downtime. He, we even like watched uh, film together, uh, me and him, and uh, we really, uh, really got after it, and uh, you saw the big jump and uh, the big strats he's made so far. Tyler,
6: sorry to be up here so close to the camera, the box isn't working for the audio, so we're going to go with that. What's it like to be an offensive lineman? I mean, it's a, it's an unheralded position. You've got the guys, the skills guys that are getting all the attention. What's it like for you to block, you know, to pass block, and do that as an offensive lineman?
4: You know, I think I. Our team in general knows, you know who's, you know who we are as an o line, and you know what we can do for this program, and uh, we we all respect each other. Whether you know if we're not getting on the touchdown highlight Cliffs, but they know that we're coming to celebrate with them. Um, you know, I think they all appreciate that, and they know that it. You know, it starts with us. It starts with the snap of the football, and um, you know. So for me, that's a blessing that I could do that for him. <laughs> I, I always but ask. You know, I yeah.
6: typically ask the running backs all the time at all the different colleges, and they always talk about how great their offensive line is. Yeah. So personal experience, and I, I typically ask that question because you guys don't get a lot of the attention, mm-hmm. but you're doing the hard work. But what's it like? You've got the Wisconsin watch. You've got the Wisconsin pin on there representing mm-hmm. Wisconsin here in Chicago.
4: Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. It's, you know, um, uh, I'm really blessed to be here and to be representing our – you know, university and our team and our offensive line, um, and specifically. Uh, but I think um, you know it, it goes hand in hand. Uh, we all working hard. It's not like Jonathan Taylor's carrying us, or if we're carrying him. I think it all like you know some plays happen differently than the others. But you know we're giving our 100 percent effort each play. Um, even the wideouts or the quarterbacks, like it all comes together. You need all 11. It's the you know it's best team sport you know there is. So I think it all comes together as a team.
6: Last question, like center and almost like the catcher in baseball, is kind of the guy calling out, mm-hmm. calling the shots there. I mean, what's a future like for you? I mean, you're not going to play football the rest of your life. I mean, what what's something that you'd like to do after football? You
4: know, I, I really haven't decided yet. I'm in personal finance right now, but um, I haven't decided whether I want to, you know, um, how involved I want to be with people, and I think, you know, the one uh, things that I uh, I notice is I like coaching, and I also like teaching, so I, I don't know where my field yet will be, um, but I know that it'll be involved with people, and and helping people along the way because I love to help people and um, you know just be a part of their lives and build connections because I think you know that's just who I am.
1: What was the feedback? Sorry, okay. yeah. What was the feedback from the draft advisory committee? Like, was there any specific things they said, or do they just sort of give you a number where you might have gone last year? Or...
4: I just um, I listened to like the main result of it and it had a little bit of impact. It didn't have the ultra impact of what I wanted. You know, I just wasn't done here and um, you know the. Just was, it wasn't the right time. Right. Um, obviously, some stuff with my health and some stuff wanting to come back and not having the grade. I think overall, I just it wasn't the right time to go. And um, it's not that I wasn't ready to go. It's just that I wasn't done here.
1: Was it second, third round? Or were they telling you a specific range or anything? Or
4: I don't really have... remember. Okay. Much. I, I mean, I remember like it was just comeback grade. I don't okay. remember the specific rounds Got and you. stuff like that. But, Thank you
1: lines what's it like for you that you come back you're committed you want to focus on the season but to have a lot of people still talking about what's next for you year?
4: you know it's um, um, you know it's it's interesting because you want to get that block out of your mind a little bit you know obviously you want to just focus on the 2019 season and everything but um, those are realistic goals that you can attain and um, and that's where um, we went coach Rudolph went through like what's your uh, Like what's your telescope? Like what's your ultra vision? And I want to be the best center in the nation. And then he's like, what's your microscope? Like what do you need to do to get to that? And whether it's being flexible or whether it's you know building more strength, lower body or upper body, or you know watching more film or studying the playbook more, whatever it is. But that's my goal this season. And. That's what I, I love to attain uh, first. Obviously, you can't really go anywhere without playing the season, so I try to block that out sure, much as much as I can.
1: Say, like, how do you balance the goals that you have that you still want to accomplish in college with still maybe thinking a little bit of what you might need to achieve in order to be successful at the next level, or do you think that those are going hand-in-hand, hand, that what you're doing to prepare now will just yeah, automatically?
4: I think um, they go hand-in-hand. Hand. I think um, the, the way you carry yourself and the way you grow each year um, I, I realized being a leadership role it's it's brought good to me because now I can actually lead you know uh, a group of guys that are willing to learn and, and you know how to do this or that or whatever it is like you know how to go about your business and and to be a leader you got to be on all the time um, and you got to be caring yourself um, you got to be doing the right thing you got uh, to be a willingness to do whatever it takes to Attain your team goal and to t- attain those individual goals because you know, like, you're here to prove yourself, too. Um, obviously, it's a team effort, but like Coach Chris says, you bring all these individuals and bring them as one um, very talented group, uh, we can do something special. When it
2: comes yeah. to, in your opinion, during the summer conditioning, who are some of the younger players that stood out to you, in your opinion?
4: I mean, I didn't sometimes we get different like lift groups, so like the freshman that the incoming freshman I don't get to see very often, um, but I think. Um, I think that the group as a whole, I think they're they're working hard and that's all you can ask for them. Even though they may not know the playbook all in one right now, um, even if uh, they do know the playbook, all you can ask for right now before we get the pads on is just to work hard and to the willingness to learn and to pick pick like, the veterans' brains of how this works and how this works because that, that's what I did and uh, I think if you have that as as freshmen growing, coming in as a group, I think that's a very good uh, start.
2: Quarterbacks, what have you seen from just uh, there's four of them during spring camp that competed? You know, uh, what have you seen just from the interactions with them, how they've led, uh, respectively? You know, when you see them on the field, how they led the offense, in your opinion?
4: I think all four of them commanded the well, uh, commanded the offense very well. Um, whichever one comes out on that first Saturday, you're, you know, they're going to give it their best. Um, I think they all have that competitive edge to keep competing throughout uh, fall camp, and whoever comes out. Um, you know as a starter whoever the second string is he's gonna be just as ready I think Um, but I think all four of them are doing a hell of a job right now and I think they're uh, they're working very hard to you know be their best for us
6: track this spring your training was very different than training for football season were there any elements of that that you've kind of carried over into your daily routine beyond track season going into this
7: year? Yeah a lot of the different warm-ups for track Uh, there are a lot of hip mobility warm-ups there are a lot of quick burst warm-up drills that we do so it's just in order to get the nervous system going a little bit and able to get those quick switch muscle fibers going I think that's really important uh, that I incorporate into my warm-up now so that you know I'm ready to run.
1: yourself on film. Or are there other players
7: that you study in of techniques for oh, oh, all the time. You know, like I said, I mentioned before, I watched Reggie Corbin. Uh, when Saquon Barkley was here, I watched his film. Uh, Miles Sanders. I mean, a lot of these guys who are smooth, quick, have great vision. I mean, I think those are great traits that a running back needs to have, especially when you're stopping and starting and needing to get back to top speed quickly, that there are um, important traits that you need. As
5: you were growing up, some all time right, so very and it's been any of those guys that really inspired your game. Yeah,
7: I watched Adrian Peterson growing up and also Arian Foster. I really looked up to those two guys. I, I thought that they were they were very unique. I felt like Adrian Peterson had a rare combination of power and speed and that Arian Foster had a great combination of being able to be smooth and transitioning out of his cuts and also having great vision.
5: So, if you go to
7: Wisconsin, it's a tremendous home field advantage. I mean, when you walk into Camp Randall, it's a it's a feeling you get. It's a it's an unsettling feeling that you get if you're an opposing player. It's an unsettling feeling that you get, as in these fans. You feel like the fans are against you as well, like on the field, trying to stop you. So one of the biggest things is we we love the way our fans participate. They're interactive, and every single game when we're in that stadium, we play for them.
6: That was the end of the third quarter
7: uh I mean, I, th- I think there's a couple times where I've actually felt the stadium shake and uh, that that was kind of scary because I was like it's loud in here it is very loud they're moving this stadium
1: road venue road games that kind of stick out
7: to you venues that are more challenging to play in yeah uh, Iowa is definitely um, a very challenging stadium to play in especially with the fans being so close to you right on the sideline so you know with them being a little farther back at other stadiums, you can kind of drown out the, the crowd noise. But with those being right up, with uh, Iowa fans being right on you, um, you definitely have to lock in and focus in and make sure that uh, you're locked in the entire game. Uh, really? I think a consistency.
1: So, John, just, you, know, just you
2: talk about expanding your roles in the passing game. What do you think is the key to being part of maybe being on third down?
7: I think it's being consistent. Um, one of the biggest things I want to do this year is be consistent in the third down. Uh, show flashes of it in 2018, but want to make sure that this year it's uh, putting it on tape consistently and showing that you know every time I'm in, you know I can get the job done.
2: How's Bradrick how Shaw look during the summer? I,
7: I know that he was the spring. How, how has he looked? And what do you feel you can expect from him in fall camp? Yeah, so before the injury, Bradrick Shaw, Shaw was very strong, had good speed. And afterwards, after his rehab, where he's at right now, I mean, he looks even stronger and faster. So just seeing his progression between that, those two time periods has been fun to watch. And I expect him to be back to the Bradrick Shaw you guys saw before. The biggest thing for him is putting it on tape consistently. Like you said, you saw flashes of it. Uh, I feel like now he's comfortable in the system. He knows what's going on, and now it's time for him to go out there, relax and play, and just make sure that he's consistent.
2: Do you train down the floor? Garrett Groshek and then some of Badgers? Yeah. How, how was that? How long were you down there, and, and what did you learn
7: or experience? Uh, we were down there for a week. And one of the biggest things that we learned, uh, talking with Melvin Gordon, was that you have to work every single day at the next level. Um, nothing is given. Um, nothing is slipped under the rug if you' if you get caught not working hard one day it's like do you want to be here you get questions like that. So one of the biggest things it was it, he was like was make sure you stay passionate make sure you have that stay with that hunger at the next level because it can be taken away at any second.
1: No. How long did it kind of take in fall practice for things to click and you sort of realize that you could play right away? The kind of
7: the um, one of the biggest things was trusting in Coach Settle After the uh, the night scrimmage we had, um, I still was kind of like, you no, know, it was just against our teammates. Uh, those guys, those guys aren't going to come at me with you know everything I have, a hundred percent. In my mind, when. Uh, you know, Coach Settle came up to me and was like, "You know, I don't think you play like a freshman. Um, you might be given that title technically as a freshman, but I don't think you play like a freshman." So, going into the huddle, uh, the first game, uh, the offensive line—they said, "JT, don't worry, we have your back." So, uh, you know, after that, then I knew that I'd be just fine.
3: What's,
7: what's the favorite run that you've had the last year? One, one, this out. Um, one favorite run I've had was um, Nebraska and. Because I feel like good traits to have as a running back are being able to stop and start um, through contact and then get back to top speed quickly. So I feel like you know within like a 30 yard frame, um, I did that very well. Um, Not so much as the distance of it, but just that 30 yard frame. I feel like that was a, a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it grow a lot. One of the biggest things is taking key things from Dakota Dixon and Chris Orr, two very vocal leaders that we've had here, um, and actually being able to be kind of in that leadership role right now with Chris Orr, who's very vocal, is helping me out a lot. Seeing the way that he goes about things uh, and how he leads, able being able to incorporate that into myself and I. I can't wait to see that develop, you know, as I continue to play with Chris and learn from him. I definitely feel like it's been getting better each and every year, and I feel like it's been tough for a long time. And, you know, it's just now starting to get credit for it. But the Big Ten West is incredibly tough. You don't know who's going to win each game every single week. So one of the biggest things is making sure that you're 100% prepared with the game plan. Ready to give 100% until the clock hits zero because the other team is going to be doing the same thing.
6: A lot of people
7: think to be One thing that we did in the fall is we looked at each and every single game each week as the biggest game of the week because it's our only game of the week and we took care of business every single week. That's what we need to do in order to get the ND.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel
7: like sometimes uh, guys would look ahead, especially we had a lot of younger guys um, due to injury and yeah, as far as guys leaving. So we had a lot of younger guys on the field who weren't here for that 13-1 season, uh, maybe didn't know what it took, the hard work that it took each and every single week to come out with the win. So I feel like guys are older now, they're refocused and they're, and they're ready to go. I feel like one of the biggest things is being consistent in the third down. i showed show flashes of it in 2018, and now I want to make sure that I put it on tape consistently um, throughout this season.
1: What would it mean for you to be
7: in that of conversation oh, It'd be an honor to be even be mentioned to be a finalist there. Uh, you look at the greats who have won it, and you know to even be mentioned with those guys, it'd definitely be an honor. How
1: much more of a historian have you have become in that position the last few years?
7: At a level, um, you, look, you look at the history and you kind of look at it as a road map. You look at each and every single year, a new guy with new accomplishments, new milestones and you kind of take it as a challenge as in, can you beat that? Like, How great can you be? How great do you want to be? So it kind of pushes you in order to reach new heights. Uh, one of the biggest people who had pushed me was, was Corey Clement. He actually inspired me, you know, being 30 minutes down the road from me in Glassboro, watching him run all over the field in South Jersey and then having the success that he's had at Wisconsin and kind of jump-started my efforts to become a great high school player, and then become a great collegiate player. I
2: know there's tons of talk outside about that, about the NFL, how do you navigate it not being a distraction, and how do you kind of move
7: forward your year? Um, One of the biggest things is kind of looking at the past two seasons and seeing that that hasn't been there, and then you look at where you're at, so you kind of continue to stay on that path, as in, you know... I've had the success I've had without that there so trying to incorporate that with school and game planning every single week it kind of become very tough so just keeping that on the back burner so that you're able to focus up each and every single week
2: During summer conditioning. Is there any younger
7: players that have stood out during summer conditioning so far? Definitely. Isaac Garendo's speed has definitely uh, stood out to me. I mean, that that guy is a blazer. He's a blazer. So I would definitely uh, say that's one person who definitely caught my eye this summer conditioning.
2: And we are wrapping up our Big Ten Media Days edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. John. We'll make it quick. What's the one thing you took away from this year's annual event?
0: Uh, yeah, it's tough to sum up two days into uh, a couple sentences. But I think from a Wisconsin perspective, um, you know, the, the buzz around here has been about Nebraska uh, coming out of the Big Ten West. And I think the biggest theme that I saw uh, is, is schedule. And, you know, Wisconsin's schedule is difficult this year. And I think obviously you can look at that, but I think it was highlighted, uh, you know, these last couple of days that we were down here in Chicago. And um, I think Zach Hyopen brought it up. Wisconsin's going to face five teams coming off buys in the 2019 season. And that's that's really difficult. You know they're going to face five teams who had essentially two weeks to, to prepare for them. So I think the biggest thing for me was schedule. You know when you look at Wisconsin, it's a big reason why teams feel like Nebraska or Iowa or Northwestern or even Purdue could come out of the Big Ten West. And Wisconsin has a different difficult schedule. Um, you know they they play those three crossover games against Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, I believe. And you know if you look at the flip side, Nebraska has a very favorable schedule. So I think for me, the last couple of days have been about you know why do people think Nebraska is going to come out of the West well I think it's a it's a schedule thing so you know that was maybe my biggest takeaway from the last couple days here is you know the national feeling about where things stack up in the West it has a lot to do with the schedule.
2: I think my big takeaway from this week is really just I think there are a lot of question marks with Wisconsin heading into fall camp that will need to be answered Uh, and maybe it's even more than what it was last season for that matter and with quarterback you have defensive line, you know, I asked Paul Christ in uh, some media availability there, at, you know, at the end of the day about nose tackle and who could step up behind Bryson Williams. Of course, outside linebacker who replaces the production of Andrew Van Ginkle, we mentioned that prior. So there are, on top of that too, just, you know, tight end depth. Uh, Paul Christ mentioned that on Thursday in a session with local reporters. So it really, I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered before the start of the season, before August 30th at South Florida, because I don't think that's going to be a cakewalk either, especially in that heat, no matter what time of day that is. So that'll be something to watch as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I don't know if you agree with me, Jake, there's just not a ton of Wisconsin buzz down here in Chicago. I mean, I, I think there's I there's a lot of other, you know, topics that are out there. You can talk about, you know, balancing out the divisions and, you know, the, the comments that Jim Harbaugh made and the steam that nebraska has in the second year under scott frost there's just a not a lot of wisconsin buzz down here um and you know you could say it's for good reason it, you could say a number of things but it's very different from the field that we got last year in chicago where you know teams thought wisconsin could, could compete for a spot in the playoff
2: i agree i agree and maybe I, I guess i think some fans would even maybe argue they would like it that way uh, but we'll see what comes out of it for wisconsin obviously Fall camp starts in August. Uh, Media Day for Local Media Day comes July 31st. BadgerBlitz.com will be there. Uh, Talking to players, we'll have more interviews there. Uh, We'll get to more recruiting news and notes next week when we have our our next show. For now, though, of course, like us on Facebook. John McNamara just put up some videos of Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Biotish, uh, and Chris Orr. So that that those are up there. We'll have more articles on BadgerBlitz.com. Follow us. Follow John at McNamara Arrivals. Me at Jake Coco K O C O, and then at Badger underscore Blitz. We'll have all the wrap up in the next in the coming days. So come back. We got tons of content coming along with more position previews, more. Uh, John's still got his in-state recruiting uh, countdown for the 2020 class within the state of Wisconsin. Of course, too, we have an Instagram page. And then on top of that for this podcast, guys, continue to give us feedback. We want to make this the most Wisconsin-centric podcast, the best Wisconsin-centric podcast out there. How you can do that, give us ratings, get us reviews, help us to improve the product. Follow us. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, listen on Spotify too. Uh, we love five-star reviews, but hey, be genuine with them, Genuine with it. We want to make sure, like I said, this is the, the best podcast for you, the fans, and what you want to hear. So on that note, John and I are going to now make a beeline on the freeway, try not to not get caught up in rush hour traffic heading out of Chicago uh, back up to the Badger State. So for John McNamara, this is Jay Kokorowski. We'll talk to you guys next week on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Powered by Overtime Media.